Yes, sir. Sportsnet today rolls on to hour number two. It's GVP and Azam coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Wet basement, we have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. The NHL season kicks off in just a couple days, so it is that time of the year. Time to give some early predictions, but we'll do that in just a second here. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, exciting times, especially in the city of Calgary. You know, school's back, but most importantly, yuck. hockey's back. And yes. everything is just pointing to more, a more positive season, especially here in the city of Calgary with, you know, let go back to Huska being hired, Conroy being named GM, Backland captain, building, getting signed off. Positive vibes. Positive vibes. Positive vibes. We'll try and keep the positive vibes going here in this segment. Let's get into it. Let's do our NHL predictions. Taylor, do we have a little bit of music for this? There we go. A little bit of production elements for this. Gotta love it. It is predictions. So let's do it. Let's start out in the Atlantic. We'll do the playoff teams. Uh, Atlantic Division. I feel like they've stepped back a little bit just with the Boston Bruins losing some pieces. Obviously, I don't like their first-line centers or their their center depth at all out in Boston Mm. right now. Tampa Bay with the Vasilevsky injury. I feel like they're going to be taking a step back as well. So I feel like the Atlantic's going to be a lot different here. So I got the Toronto Maple Leafs winning the division. I, I like Florida in that number two. And, and I got Ottawa taking a division spot. Big jump for them. And I got Buffalo as my wildcard team. See, in the Atlantic, uh, agree with Toronto. I think yeah. they've got a great opportunity to take the first spot. Even though Vasilevsky's injured, that offense and the D is very high-powered. And... Giannis Johansson, we, we had our conversation with Kevin Woodley uh, a lot yesterday on the Sunday edition of Sportsnet Today. He is the guy, and he could potentially turn some heads. So I still have Tampa in that second spot because it's only two months that Vasilevsky's out. Yeah. And once he comes back, and we know how uh, you can't, athletic you, he is. You can't win the division in the first two months, but you can definitely lose it. Though. You can definitely lose it. So that's why I have him at, them at number two because even when he comes back, he can basically steal those games and make up for the two months that he's... A lot of question marks out in Tampa. Like, with, with the whole Stamkos negotiations kind of turning sour, feels like there's there's a bit of... I feel like there's some changes going on around there, and I think they're going to get off to a bit of a dysfunctional start, but might just be me. Ah, well, obviously, the players are going to play hard, regardless of uh-huh. it. Um, and we also don't know what happens behind closed doors, because has there been discussions now? Not sure. Is the team team going to be start directing into a more, all right, let's try to recuperate some of the assets we've spent? Let's see what happens. But I, I still think Tampa Bay is a very dangerous team uh, this upcoming season. Uh, and then the third spot, I have the Buffalo Sabres. I think okay. if Devin Levi can show the goaltender he is, plus the Tage Thompson show, uh, the youth that's coming up for that team, uh we saw Darlene get his extension and Owen Power of that decor can... I'm high on the Sabres as well. Yeah, so, I got him as a wildcard team. Yeah, and, and then my wildcard team is the Boston Bruins. I still have them in the playoffs as a wildcard team. Yes, they lost their offensive gift, but their goaltending tandem is fantastic. Is I it still going to be historically good, though? Are they going to get that all is, Are they going to get that all season? That's the thing that I'm a little wary about with the Boston Bruins. I, I have them missing the playoffs just as like a as a hot take, just for the, you know, for the 
joy of this segment, we'll call no, 100%. it. hundred percent. I think that is a question mark. Just Pavel Zak is not a number one. Center. No, he's not. But we Charlie also, Coyle is. There could be, a be second trades line. or something that they could happen. Do, they can do some still. Yeah. Ottawa, I don't think is there yet. I, I think Corpusalo will be heavily relied upon. Will he get there potentially? I think Florida is going to miss. Uh, mm. They were really carried through that playoffs by Bobrovsky. Matthew Kachuk, and Bobrovsky got hot at the right time. Can he sustain that? Probably not. And look at that decor. It's not the same as it was that it was last year. They lost a big chunk out, which was Rako Gudis, mm-hmm. who, yes, not maybe put the numbers, but that def- big, heavy skill set that he brought that helped them in the playoffs, he's not there. And Detroit still needs to have things to go, and uh, Montreal is just Montreal. I'm a bit just before we move on. I'm a bit higher on than you are on the on the centers. I think Stutzla is a great player. Brady Kachuk, one of those true classic power forwards that are still left in the NHL. I think he's awesome. I I put a bit more credit into the the Corpusalo pickup than maybe you do. I thought he was excellent in the postseason for for Los Angeles. They just ran into an offensive juggernaut like the Edmonton Oilers. So I, I think. Ottawa is going to turn some heads and actually get a division spot. But uh, let, let's move on to the Metro here. I, I got number one. I, th- I think I'm going to go with New Jersey here. Arguably could even win the President's Trophy. Carolina's another great team. I got them in my two. And I, I got the Rangers making the playoffs. I think Shesterkin's going to have a great bounce back year. Get back to that kind of Vesna candidacy that we saw two years ago. And then uh, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to slide into a wild card spot. They've gone all the way in. We'll see how Eric Carlson and Latang mesh together. I- I'm not sure if they're going to be paired together on the power play and whatnot. It, that could be a risk, given the fact that uh, Carlson and Burns didn't work very well in San Jose. But Pittsburgh, it's all they're going all in. It feels like they're one last dance here to try and win a championship. See, I have Carolina up top of that Metro division. I just think they've got so much skill up front and on the back. And if their goaltending tandem can stay healthy, very well coached. too. That team can definitely put some heads. I don't have them winning the president's trophy that belongs in the West, yep. but they definitely will compete for that. I have the Rangers obviously in the second. Chesterkin's going to have a better season. Okay. Uh, that offense is still going to be as good as it is. And obviously you have Adam Fox in the back. Who's going to be, pushing all up points again trying to get another noise and then obviously the new jersey devils my biggest question with them is their goaltending okay can uh vinick vanacek have a better bounce back season that's a question mark. Ar- akira schmid will he he build was really good in the playoffs it will will he continue really in the playoffs. will he continue that that's also another question and then obviously same with you wildcard i think pittsburgh penguins is their final hurrah uh with what they've loaded up on with their team. And again, I think goaltending is also going to be a big question in that one. They they got they don't have Casey DeSmith anymore. Yeah. So can uh, Tristan Jari be that guy he was that led him to be an all-star? Yeah, yeah. Feels like we're mostly on the same page there. Let's come out west now. The Central Division, arguably the worst division in hockey. I think they're only going to send three teams to the playoffs this year. The Dallas Stars, I think they're our President's Trophy winner here. They, they had an excellent season last year. I think they have the best goaltender in the Western Conference in Jake Ottinger. I love Jason Robertson's game. I think he's going to be a 50-goal guy and maybe even a little higher. I don't think he gets to 60, but he's becoming one of those elite goal scorers in the NHL. Miro Heiskanen is also maybe the second-best defenseman in the NHL in that top-five discussion as well. He was just a couple points back from being uh, right behind Darlene for second in scoring. Um, I love his game. Dallas Stars, they made some good moves in the offseason as, off as well, picking up Matt Duchesne. I, I think he's still got a lot to give. 
given the fact that he wasn't really offered a, a contract from anyone else. But, you know, this is a guy who scored 40 goals just a couple seasons ago. So I, I like a lot of the moves they've made. Obviously, they know what they do in the playoffs with Pavelski. I'm expecting big things out of Dallas. I got them in my one. Uh, in my two, I think this is an easy one, Colorado. They're going to have a better season than what they did last year. McCarr is going to be fully healthy. They're still missing Landeskog. But I, I think just how weak this division really is, I got them in my two. Number three, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Wild. They they tend to make the playoffs year in and year out. Kaprizov is a great player. Boldy on their second line is super underrated. Great young player. Could have a breakout year this year as well. In net, they got Philip Gustafson and uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. Pretty good tandem there. I'm not going to say that Fleury is among the elites of goaltenders anymore, but he can still get in there and give you a nine a 905-plus type save percentage, win you some games. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Wilds, but that means I have the Winnipeg Jets missing the playoffs. And they obviously made some big news today, extending Shifley and Halibut to matching deals seven years, $8.5 million. Yeah, be- before we get to that... Well, we'll get to that in a second here with the, with the Winnipeg, but I have Dallas again. Agree with you, President's Trophy. I think their Bingo. team is built front to back very nicely. It's a good changing of the guard they did with Ben and Sagan now taking secondary roles. Yeah. I think Pavelski's still defying his age with what he does. Uh, Rupe Hints, I think, is due for a big season, and Jake Andre obviously a back uh, better season, more to what he did to Calgary in that round one playoff series. Colorado again, number two. They have a great opportunity to do a lot of good things with theirs with with Kale McCarr and Owen Byram. I think he's going to have a better season. Uh, goaltending obviously will be a question mark for them, but yeah. they can get by on okay goaltending. And I have Winnipeg Jets, now that Hellebuck and Shifley are signed, and with what they brought in from the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, I think those were great additions with Ifalo especially. They were win-now moves. Yeah, and especially with Ifalo and what he did in the playoffs. He's definitely a guy that I keep my eye on who can make some noise. I have the Minnesota Wild actually missing the playoffs. Those are interchangeable. I'm, I'm able to, you know, come the, off my, the, my the, hill on that. The reason bit, why but. is, like, Philip Gustafson has proven that he is a good goaltender. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, is, is, he is getting older, can be a good goaltender, can also not be a good goaltender oh, yeah, at yeah. this age. Uh, that's, again, could be a thing, but I think the biggest thing is their their defense. It really... What I look at, like Jared Spurgeon's pretty much there. Uh, Jonas Brodeen. Other than that, like, can the rest, like John Merrill, can he be a guy that can put up some decent numbers? Maybe. I just don't like their their uh, the defensive depth, and they really don't have a lot of defense, a lot of depth in their forwards. I think after Caprizov, Boldy, Zuccarello, Hartman still got Hartman, some juice. Yeah, but really, Polino's not a. Bad player. He's a good death player. Frederick Goudreau is another guy that can get in the corners and you know play a play a hard style of hockey. Hard style, yes. But I'm not saying they're cover. world beaters by any means, but it feels like just squeaking in is the Minnesota way, and I feel like they might be able to do that again. Potentially, it could be a win, but it's all going to depend on who stays healthy. Yep. And can Kaprizov potentially and Boldy put the team on their back? Mm-hmm. So let's go. Let's go home here. Pacific Division. My top three. I got I got the guys up north. Three hours up north. Edmonton Oilers going to win the division. Just I, I think they're going to have a super super great offensive year. And from what we heard yesterday when we had Derek Van Deest on the program, Campbell's been looking a lot better. Stewart had a good year for them last year as well. I think the Edmonton Oilers are going to win that division. Then in my two spot, I got the defending Stanley Cup champions, Vegas Golden Knights. Will there be a little bit of cup hangover with them? Who knows? They're not really a team that that's built for the regular season. Their their expectations, their goals, their aspirations are come springtime. Once we get into the playoffs, I got them in my two and number three. I got us, Calgary Flames. I think it's all crucial about 
how good of a start we are. And just, you know, we talked about it so much this offseason, the question marks around this team. Can Huberto get back to what he was in Florida or slightly below that, above a point per game is what I'm trying to say. Or if Markstrom can uh, get back to that Vesna candidacy, I-, I think the Flames should be able to get a division spot if all those question marks are answered properly. If not, they're going to be fighting for a wild card. I got uh, the Kings and the Kraken both making wild cards. Five teams out of the Pacific making the playoffs. Uh, I have Vegas going first in the Pacific Division. I still think they may have a little bit of a hangover, but that team is so heavily powered offensively. Their defense is so good, and their goaltending. Hill and Thompson is a goaltending tandem. They can be very good. We we know Calgary kid, both of them, really, Calgary kids, who have been in the Calgary organization that have shown they defied all the odds and still are playing at a high level. I think they will take the first spot. I have the Edmonton Oilers second. Uh, Obviously, we know goaltending is going to be a question about that. Can they get decent goaltending, or are they going to have similar situations? We said preseason. Do you think it's going to be fairly similar to what we saw last season for Edmonton? I think Skinner is going to take a step back. Campbell is going to take a step forward. But how big of the step back is that going to be? That's a question, question mark. mark. So goaltending is, I think Pacific Division is your goaltending is going to be your biggest question okay. throughout the division. And the Calgary, I have third. I think bounce back seasons for Kadri, bounce backs for Huberto, and a big bounce back season for Markstrom. I think that's going to be a big one. I have LA making a wild card team. Again, that's again be based off their goaltending. I'm not very confident on that goaltending uh, tandem with Taubin and Copley. And I have a surprise on that second wild card. I think the Vancouver Canucks are going to make it solely. And like I said, Pacific Division is going to be a big goaltending battle. And I think if Thatcher Demko can make the strides he did previously and with Quinn Hughes and Elise Pedersen there, I think they can definitely jump over the Kraken because the Kraken Grubauer had a terrible, terrible season last year, sub 900. And they still made the playoffs. He's a guy who is pretty good for them in the postseason and with the Kraken team there we've seen two iterations of them now the first season not good missed the playoffs second season great surprise made the playoffs won a series this and that um when when you have when you when you have won the expectations for you as a team is to continue to win uh I don't disagree that that a big part of that will be uh the play of Grubauer but um a lot of these guys who who have had great postseasons you know, coming to the next season with a lot of confidence, I, I think he's going to be all right. And that's why I think I'm going to take the Kraken in that wild card spot. It's going to be an interesting spot. I think there's just been so much dysfunction out in Vancouver. I, I, yeah. I know that they've kind of figured it out, but I, I think one, two, I'd put a good lock in. I think three and potentially two wild card spots have a lot of what will happen during the season. Okay. Quickly before we hit the break and uh, talk to Alexis Downey around the corner, let's get into the awards. Stanley Cup final. I'm like, I got a rematch of 06. Oilers. I'm sorry, Calgary. I know you don't want to hear that. Oilers and Carolina Hurricanes. I have the Hurricanes and the Stars. Okay. Okay. President's have, Trophy going to the I, Stanley Cup I final. Think, I think the Stars are built so well that I th- and the goaltending. I, I love Jake Ottinger and what he does. And I think the combination of Rupe Hints and um, Jason Robinson and Mira Haskinen can help lead that team. And then you also have the veterans behind them to back up their play. Yeah, I, ju- I just think it's cup or bust for Edmonton. And it this, is this finally going to be the year where they get over the hump? I know it, it all comes down to, like, we know what we're going to get out of McDavid, Dreisaitl, and some of the other guys behind them up front there. It all comes down to if 
this decor can just be average or good enough. They don't have to be elite. They don't have to be world beaters. And then I, I think the goaltending just needs to be slightly better than what it was last year. They just need two guys where they can just almost have a 41-41 split out of those guys. I, I think the Edmonton Oilers are built for the playoffs come that time if those question marks are answered. President's Trophy, me and you both agree, Dallas Stars. Hart Trophy, I think this is just an easy answer. I got Connor McDavid. Yeah, uh, that's no shorts. But, like, there could be players who can come after him. I think Jason Robertson's a guy who can go after If him. we're saying Dallas is a team that um, could be as good as we think they are, I think Robertson could be in that conversation. Art Ross, I'm going to go with McDavid again. We're talking about this guy potentially breaching the 160-point total. I, I, I think Art Ross, easy Connor McDavid, leads the league in scoring. Yeah, no no, no argument there. Yeah, Norris Trophy. I'm going to go with Miro Heiskanen, Dallas Stars. I think I think he's almost become underrated to an extent. If Dallas is going to be as good as me and you are both agreeing, Heiskanen is a great skater, obviously has a great offensive mind as well. He's really a complete defenseman in my mind. I got Miro taking the Norris. I, I have Kale going for a second. I think he's due for a big bounce back season. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the way he wanted it last year, especially with what he had to deal with. So I think he's definitely got a better shot. Rog Richard, uh, we saw Connor McDavid do it last year. I think it's going to be his partner in crime this year. I'm going to take Leon Dreisaitl. Uh It all depends on if Connor McDavid wants to be the most goal-hungry dude of all time, like we saw last year when he really first tried to, to score for the very first time. But uh, if he's going to get to 160, I, I think he's going to have 100 assists, which you know we haven't seen since since Gretzky. So uh, I, obviously, if, he, if he's going to have that many apples, Drysdale is going to be putting the puck in the net like crazy. I got him breaching the 60 goal marker. I'm going to take Drysdale as my yeah, rocket. Yeah, no argument there. I think if if McDavid goes with his pass first mentality, he will definitely lead in assists. And Drysdale, we know what he can do when he puts the puck in the net. Health is going to be a factor yep. in that scenario. And what will Jay Woodcroft load up that top line if things get a little bit ugly in that in those games mm-hmm. uh call the trophy again chalk answer i think it's going to be the man out in chicago 98 Connor bedard there are some guys in this uh rookie class that might be able to challenge like logan cooley out in arizona is a guy that if he has an amazing season he might be able to but Connor bedard is a generational type prospect i got him winning the calder yeah uh, bedard with how he is and what he can do i think taylor hall put it very very great he mm-hmm. is the most ready 18 year old that is ready to make his part in the NHL. The last person he said that he played with that was the exact same was Connor McDavid. And uh, last one before we hit the break, the Jack Adams trophy. Who who do you got taking that right now? So I got a bit of a little hot one I'm going to save. Uh, for that one, I think uh, Rob Brindamore is going to get okay. it. I think he finally needs that recognition of how good of a coach he is. But there's definitely, a, I think that's up for grabs, just depending on True. which team plays well. Just because uh, the Jack Adams Trophy is not necessarily the, uh, the team who wins the President's Trophy wins it. I feel like it's a bit more of a narrative or a storyline award that we see. Um, and who honestly doesn't have a better comeback storyline than here in Calgary? Ryan Huska takes a team that missed the playoffs, had a whole bunch of dysfunction around our offseason about how disappointing last season was. He leads us to a division uh, spot in the playoffs. Feels like a bit of a stretch. Yeah, sure. But it's a nice story. And I think Ryan Huska could be a candidate for that. I have a question for you before we finish. Do you think if Craig Conroy signs Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin, he's already got Backlund done, and and clears up a lot of those free agents, he gets GM of the year? Uh, he could. Could. I mean, he definitely changed the energy around this team. Um, I'm trying to think of who else would be up for that 
nothing really comes off the top of my head, but there, there's been a bunch of teams that have had really good off seasons. Like Ottawa is a team that's had pretty decent off seasons as well. It is uh, yet to be seen. We'll get more in those predictions to see how the NHL plays out, but we're going to take a quick break. And one, when we come back, we're going to check in with Pacific Division, the Anaheim Ducks. Alexis Downey, the host and content producer for the Anaheim Ducks. We'll check in with her and see how the Ducks are doing, especially with now Zegris and Drysdale signed. You're listening to Sportsnet Today right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour two of Sportsnet today with GVP and Azam right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. And let's go right down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcome in Alexis Downey to the program who covers the Anaheim Ducks. Alexis, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Uh, can't complain. Uh, first things first, uh, Trevor Zegers finally gets that bridge deal done. Uh, do you think, what's your thoughts on the deal itself? And then do you think him missing the training camp is going to affect his game in the beginning of the season? Yeah, I was really happy that the uh, Anaheim Ducks were able to get that deal done with Trevor Zegers before the regular season started. I know it was a, a long back and forth process as both sides shared throughout uh and I, I think it's a great deal. I mean, three years, um, you know, and three more years of Trevor Zegers and fun hockey is always good here in Anaheim. And uh, I, I think it's a good value, too, for where he's at in his career and the potential for growth he has. And it's also really exciting because he's going to be able to learn from a new head coach this season and try to bring his game to the next level. Also, on that defensive side, that's something that he's been pretty – spoken pretty uh, uh, openly about as well. And uh, I, I think it's it's not necessarily going to hurt him that he missed some of the preseason. Uh, he, he knows that he's, he's got a lot of work to catch up on, but I, I don't think necessarily that's going to hurt his game because he, he has the right mindset and he did train in the off season uh, up in Michigan with the U S national development program. So I, I think that he's been on the ice a bit, but he, he is pretty comfortable about where he's at just getting his feet ready for the season. Do you think this uh, bridge deal is a big prove me contract to see what uh, Trevor Zegers is all about before getting that big cash deal? Yeah, certainly. I think that there is that aspect to it. Um, you know, it, it, people calling him, you know, a, a young rising star in the league. And just, I know there's a lot of pressure on him to perform. And I think that this year in particular is going to be very important from for him on, uh, you know, in his game as he gets a little bit older in the league. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting because it, it puts him, you know, three, three years, and then if he has a great couple seasons, continues to grow his point total and also improves on the defensive end, it's certainly, you know, deserving of maybe a longer-term deal then, too. Uh, all the veterans that are on this team, Troy Terry, Adam Henrique, do you think it's a bigger bigger pushback for this season for them? Is it a, a next step, or is it going to be similar to what they produced last year? Yeah, I definitely think it's a next step, especially for someone like Troy Terry signing a long, you know, seven-year contract in this offseason. I, I think he knows that, too. And then for Adam Henrique, he had a good season last year, so continuing to grow on that or build on that, too. Uh, I, I think that there's just a whole new sense of uh, refreshed energy in the locker room this year. I mean, we keep saying you can only go up after last year, and I really think that the guys have a great mentality coming into this year. Uh, like I mentioned, new head coach. 
just new philosophies, new systems that they're learning, um, and, and just a really good energy excitement around the team in general from a lot of the guys. So uh, I think they are feeling the pressure of, you know, wanting to perform well for the new head coach and just seeing how the year goes. We're in conversation with Alexis Downey, uh, host and content producer for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Azam Ali Nanji along with you and GVP. Alexis, thanks for the time again uh, again today. And uh, you brought up the new head coach there. And obviously here in Calgary, we just hired a new ho- head coach as well. And that can kind of change the culture and dynamic of a team. Uh, what do you think Greg Cronin's new system is going to do for this team? And how is that going to change the culture in Anaheim? I mean, honestly, through the preseason, I've already seen the shift in the culture in the Ducks already. Uh, he brings just such a toughness that I felt like the team was really missing last year. And he's really big on growing, uh, you know, the younger guy's game, uh, just developing it over time because that's more of his background from the American Hockey League level. And we have so many young guys in our organization that I think could really benefit from that. You know, Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale, two guys, just to name a few. But uh, I, I think that it's just, like I mentioned, just new, refreshed energy. And I think Greg Cronin has already shown what he is about and uh one of my favorite quick stories that i have from him from this off season is when he made the drive from colorado back home to boston for him he stopped and saw a bunch of the guys on the ducks and just sat down with them in their hometowns and had two hour long conversations just to get to know them get to learn a little bit more about them and i think that just speaks a lot to his character and what he's going to bring to anaheim yeah, you bring up the the great environment and like a player's play, like a player's environment that's going on in Anaheim. It's kind of progressing that way. How important is that for uh, your second overall pick, Leo Carlson, to enter an environment like that rather than kind of like this desolate place where we thought it was headed last season? Oh, I think it's huge. I, I know that Leo has really been enjoying learning from some of the veteran guys and even some of the younger guys just being in the locker room and starting to learn that NHL culture and professional hockey culture here uh, in North America. But I, I think it's important for his growth and just to take it all in and get as many tips as he can from some of these other guys and the new coaching uh, staff that we have. And I mean, he's looked really well or really good in preseason. And um, I, I think that it's going to suit him well. Yeah. Uh, what what can you say about some of the uh, veteran additions that uh, Anaheim brought in this year? I know Kalorn is hurt, but alongside him, alongside him and Gudis, how are they going to be able to help some of this younger core that they have out there? Yeah, it's a bummer with Alex Kalorn out for a couple weeks right now, but I know that he was specifically brought in from that leadership aspect. I mean, he's had some of his best hockey in these older years now in his career in recent years. So I, they know that they're being brought to the team for that leadership, for that veteran experience, but also, you know, to help win some hockey games too. And uh, I have to tell you, I've really enjoyed what Radko Gudis has brought in the preseason, that that toughness that the Ducks were missing and uh, someone you don't want to mess with on the ice. And it's something that, like I said, they, they were just missing last year. And it's definitely going to be a good thing, especially, you know, to protect some of our younger guys, uh, like a Leo, like a, a Z. So it, it is good. They're bringing that sense of, veteran leadership into the locker room and then also you know just helping overall to the lineup one of the biggest questions uh is the future of john gibson obviously he has been that team there's rumors of him wanting to leave uh do you think we see a gibson trade in this season i i do not believe so Uh, i've spoken with gm pat verbeek about that and he's very 
very uh, verbal that Gibson is our number one guy. He's had conversations with John Gibson and his agent in the off season, and they're all good. They're all on the same page. And uh, yes, Gibby will will be staying in Anaheim. And I know that you know he he had to deal with a lot last year, a lot of shots faced on him, and he doesn't want to have to go through that again this year. But the fact that we've been able to bolster that blue line a little bit more this year, I think, is certainly going to help. And obviously, having the addition of Jamie Drysdale back there. Uh, will will be a, a big help too. But yeah, I, I don't see that happening in the future based on um, everything I've heard in conversations with Pat Verbeek and even with speaking with John Gibson too. Lucas Dosto will get uh, a chunk of time now behind Gibson. Do you think he's ready for the next step in his professional career? He is someone that I'm really excited for. Uh, and seeing him and the, the confidence he was able to gain in last year's games, uh, the NHL games that he was able to get under his belt, you can. it's really amazing for his age at how calm he is in the net. And I think that being able to be a part of the NHL roster full-time now um, is only going to help his confidence more. He's looked really strong in some of the preseason games that he played in, and that's why he earned that spot behind John Gibson. Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to take some time. Obviously, John Gibson will be that number one, but I think there's a lot that he can learn from him. And being in that position, I, I think it kind of motivates him too to continue to get better. So uh, I, I'm really happy for him. I, I think he's very deserving of the position he's in. And I hope that uh, he continues to grow some more this season and eventually, you know, get up to that number one spot. Uh, a lot of the off-season discourse around the Ducks was obviously centered around Zegers' contract, Drysdale's contract, and Troy Terry as well. But uh, a guy who's looking to have a breakout year this year is Mason McTavish. How important is it for him to really solidify himself in that second-line center role? It's going to be really important for McTavish this year. Uh, I think he knows that, too. He's such a hockey guy. I mean, he's always the first one on the ice and the last one off the ice at practice and just that morning skates and whatnot. Um, And I think the biggest factor for him this season is that he was able to have a full offseason just to relax and just take some time to himself and train on his own. Because if you go back to last summer, he didn't have that. And I think it really wore on him as the season went on. You could see him getting more tired and worn down. Whereas this year, he's coming in with that a renewed sense, a fresh fresh start, basically, for this season. And uh, I think he knows that he's going to be taking on a bigger role this year. And I know we all love watching him on the power play. So see what he can do there with his uh, one-timer. Yeah, uh, we just named our captain here uh, in Calgary in Michael Backlund. Is there anyone out there in Anaheim right now who is potentially getting ready to fill the shoes of Ryan Getzlaff for that captaincy role? Maybe not this year, but who in your mind would be a candidate for that position down the road? Yeah, I, I know that that's something that the, the Ducks are taking their time on, and I, I know that they're not rushing into that because those are some pretty big shoes to fill. Um, but I I think there's a couple guys that kind of stand out to me, but obviously you can't look over the fact that with Troy Terry getting that long seven-year contract, you know, maybe he can step into that kind of role, um, you know, you know, see kind of see how the year goes this year. But certainly he's someone that immediately comes to mind for me. Um, but I think that uh, this year will be interesting on the leadership uh, part of it in the locker room to see who really steps up, obviously besides, you know, the veteran additions that we've had. But, uh, yeah, I think Troy Terry would be on my radar personally, but uh, that's certainly something that the Ducks are, like I said, not rushing into and taking their time with. 
Owen Zollinger was sent uh, down to uh, the AHL. Obviously had a great season with the Kamloops Blazers and then in the Memorial Cup. Do you think he needs a little bit more time to just get used to pro hockey before making this uh, NHL roster? You know, that's interesting you you bring him up because I know that he was someone that Greg Cronin was really happy with through this preseason. Uh, I do think he needs a little bit more time. He's still very young, and uh, we have such a, a deep blue line prospect pool. I think it'll benefit him um, just, just taking his time. There's no need to rush it, and that's something that uh, I know Greg Cronin has spoke about, just the patience with the process of, uh, developing these players. And I think that Olin Zellweger, I mean, he was not very, he's not very far off in my mind, but I think that giving him a little bit more time and growing his game, getting him more comfortable in this environment is definitely important for his future, just not rushing into it. Uh, a couple more here for you. Uh, Jamie Dries obviously gets that bridge year deal as well. And he comes in. What, what's the ceiling for him this year? What, what is the expectation coming in for Jamie Drysdale? I think there's some big expectations there uh, in the sense that, I mean, we only saw him eight games last year, missing 74 games, just sitting out the entire season, really. And uh, that's something that when he was speaking with us the other day in the locker room, you could tell it it really wore on him last year. He just wanted to get back out on the ice. So he's just got a sense of just such a high excitement level right now to be back and just skating with the guys. So, I think that he knows, too, that the role he's stepping into is uh, important in the sense of if you look at last season's numbers, they they definitely don't want to repeat those. uh, uh, And I think that Jamie will be able to, you know, help that that back end. And he's gotten a little bigger now. He's getting a little older. And he's, you know, he's maturing in the NHL, too. So, yeah. so the Ducks got all their guys that they needed to get signed, signed. It sounds like they're developing a bit more of a winning culture with their new head coach and Pat Verbeek at the helm. What do you think is a reasonable expectations for this Ducks team? And what do you think their next step should be? Well, I think it's no secret that, uh, you know, after last year, there is definitely a, a big change in what the expectations are this year, just because of all the changes that happened over the summer, I know that Greg Cronin is a very competitive guy. And so is Pat Verbeek. And I know that they would love to make the playoffs if if that's at all a possibility, but uh, it's hard to, it's hard to say so early as to what the season could look like. But again, like I mentioned, I really think it's only up from here. And uh, just, just with the building that they've done, even in watching some of the play in the preseason, just looking a lot more cohesive. So I, I think that the expectations are just, definitely having a better year from last year. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, our GM Pat Verbeek said, you know, I, I want to make the playoffs because that's who he is. He is a, he's a guy that doesn't like to lose um, like many of us. So uh, I, I think that's kind of the expectation in the locker room, honestly. Outside of the big names, who, who do you expect to really make their mark as the Anaheim Ducks this year? In terms of uh, players on the team? Yes. Yeah, I, I think that there's a couple guys, um, you know, that I'm excited to watch, obviously, with Troy Terry and uh, just seeing how he comes in this year. And then Alex Gorn, too, once he comes back. But I think a guy that hasn't, it's kind of flown under the radar because he is young and he's new to the team is Jackson McComb. He's played really well through the preseason and um, he's a bigger guy, knows that he needs to be a little bit more physical on the back end. And I think that's someone that I'm going to be watching personally because I think he could be a really good surprise for the Ducks this year.
Alexis, thank you for the time today. Enjoy the season, and I hope we uh, get to do this again soon. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, for having me. There you go. That was Alexis Downey, host and content producer for the Anaheim Ducks. And, of course, she joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, before we say goodbye, we're going to dive back into the, some of the Flames audio that we didn't get to do doing, uh, during the 2.30 segment. But we'll get to that right now. The 32 Thoughts podcast just dropped. And uh, Elliot Friedman gave his season preview on the Calgary Flames. The only thing that made me unoptimistic, de-optimistic... Uh, about this flame season was I didn't like what I saw Friday night in uh, Vancouver mm-hmm. when Markstrom gave up a goal on the first shot. Like that is exactly what let the air out of the balloons last year is how many times last year, I always say, Jeff, when Sportsnet or the whatever the TV broadcast is, has the lines going on the top of the screen and you give up a goal, it's mm-hmm. really bad. You start chasing the game early. <laughs> that happened on Friday night in Vancouver. It's just a bad omen because that was a full dress rehearsal for the Flames. They had their team there. And, you know, for them to lose that game like that, I was sitting there going, oh, no, like this is not what the Flames need to see. Other than that, I generally think they're going to be better. I, I do. Um, the goaltending's got to hold up. As you said, the attitude is a lot better. Backlund signing. I think what's happening here is I don't think there's much movement there with Lindholm. I think the Flames are not yet where this is going to have to be for Lindholm. And, and I'll say this. I've had people send me notes like there's no way they should sign Lindholm for $9 million. I mean, people can argue, people can debate that, but I think that's where this number is going to be around. So that's just where the reality is now, and everybody can debate around it. What I do believe is the Flames have also started to look at Tanev and Hannafin. And so they've got Backlund done. If they can't get Lindholm done in the short term, I think they're going to look at Tanev and Hannafin and see if they can do something there. Um, You know, Tanev, again, he's the same age as Backland, so I'm guessing the Flames will be careful on term with that one. We'll see what Tanev has to say. And when it comes to Hannafin, to me, in a lot of ways, it's just a surprise that we're even talking about this because I really thought at the end of last year there was no way we'd be talking about this. But I think they are talking to him about it, and we'll see. And maybe what helps is if this happens before they get any clearance on Lindholm, you can get into a situation where you can say, okay, we've got Backlund done, and now we've got one or two of these other two done, and now go back to Lindholm and see what he says. So I I believe those are kinds of the moving pieces around the flames right now. There you go. Elliot Friedman, 32 podcast. That was from today's episode, just kind of previewing the Flames season. And I think the biggest piece there is that if the flames aren't able to get something done with Elias Lindholm right away here, they're going to look elsewhere and try and move on to negotiations with Tanev. I feel like they can get him for a relatively cheap number and uh, try and keep swinging the swinging the tides on Noah Hannafin. It sounds like you know the door is slightly opening more for him to potentially staying in Calgary. Your thoughts on that? I just think that at some point in time you've given him his space. You've he's seen how the team is, and now he's just debating. But you can't 
not have a contingency plan. You need to figure out the rest of the stuff. And Zadorov was the first individual who said that they're handling one of their things and we, the rest of us are still waiting for that in mind. He wants to stay as a Calgary Flame. He wants to stay here in Calgary. I yeah. think he would be a great addition to that back end. And now that you've kind of put forth with Elias Lindholm that you're kind of in a stalemate, quick, take a break. Now let's focus on if Elias Lindholm doesn't sign What's our second plan? What's our third plan? Yeah. We need to make sure that everything is still in place, that we're still in success for if Elias Lindholm decides to go elsewhere. What's your gut feeling on Lindholm right now? What's your gut telling you? I, I think, think he stays. I think he stays, and we'll find on the first five games of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he's staying as well. It, it's I'm not sure what exactly. I'm not sure if it's the money or the term that, that's holding us back here on this, but... Lindholm's going to get a chance to, you know, be the first line center on this team. I'm not sure if he would have opportunities to do that elsewhere on really contending teams. But we just saw Shifley get signed for seven and eight and a half. He was a 40 goal guy last season. Does that contract kind of bring down the number for a potential Lindholm deal? I think it could affect it. It could definitely affect it. I think that works more in the Flames' favor yeah, exactly. than, uh, than Elias Lindholm if we're looking at a number. I think if you're trying to bring him to that 8.75, I think that's a very good valued contract for Elias Lindholm. I think so with too. A, for an eight-year deal, I don't think it's going to be shorter than eight years. I think it's going to be eight years because at the end of the term, he's going to be its last contract. So I think eight years is perfect for him. Uh, I think the 8.75 million would be kind of the range, would be the right way. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit more because you're going to have to pay to keep him because of what he brings as a number one center. Uh, on this team, I uh, personally, I think it may have to do with the no movement and bonus structure okay. that could be what potentially could be holding this up now that this deal is done with Shifley and Hellebuck. But I think if very closely, if Lindholm feels that, hey, Huberto and I are clicking, everything is clicking, the team feels right, we're in the right direction, Backland has signed, he's the captain of this team, I could see within the first five games, things could start heating. You don't think there's any possibility the fact that Lindholm might want something shorter than eight, given the fact that we're all assuming that the cap's going to go up? If he signs something like five, and then he gets another opportunity to sign a bigger deal when he's 33, he's only 28 years old right now. Like, that could be a possibility. Feels like a stretch, but... It does feel like a stretch. I think it's, you got to go eight, you can't go anything shorter. If you're the Flames, you want to go eight, because again, the cap might go up, you want to get him locked in at a certain number. You've already committed so many dollars to Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri. But I, I know that some fans are wary that at the end of an eight-year deal, you know, he's going to be like... 37. In, yeah, 37. In, in his mid-30s, past his prime, right? So it it's certainly something to discuss. I, my gut is telling me that he is going to resign. The, like, just the way that this offseason is kind of... The vibe around this team has been turned around. The culture of this team is in a much more non-toxic position. I think Lindholm... Like has liked his time here in Calgary and will be willing to sign at some point. Indeed, that's still yet to come, but I think it's going to be a little bit into the season before that is going to happen. But that's going to wrap us up for this Sportsnet today. You can catch both Hour 1 and 2. Uh, that'll be up for you shortly wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. And we'll be coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basements downtown studios. I'm Ali, Azam Ali Nanji. That's GVP. Taylor has been behind the board. Thank you to Taylor for producing our show. And you'll be listening to Sportsnet today right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.